Thank you. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Good to be back with you this morning. Uh, if you're joining us online, we're, we're glad to have you with us this morning as well. Um, last Lord's Day, Martha and I were able to worship with our daughter and her family, but then I certainly tuned in to Bay Area when I got home uh, back to her house on Sunday afternoon. I appreciate what Keith Stefanko had to share last week with us. The very end of his sermon last week, Keith said that he hoped Tim wouldn't uh, excoriate him too badly when I got back in the pulpit, and I promise I'm not going to do that, because I don't know what that word means. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not sure where Eden's bowers bloom either, so, but, uh, but you need to check out uh, Keith's message on prayer last week if you weren't able to hear that. You will be encouraged, and you will be challenged. If you are old enough, and when I say old enough, I mean my age at least, you know the name John Denver. Um, I, I was uh, surprised a couple weeks ago that his name came up with some younger people. They never heard of John Denver. He's a singer-songwriter, pretty popular back in the 70s. Actually, in 1970, John Denver wrote a song that wasn't much of a hit. Nobody paid any attention to it, really. It was just kind of a filler on an album. Four years later... He was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, 1974, and he sang that same song. And he explained before he sang it that he wrote that song uh, for his wife because he was on the road so much, and he missed her so badly when he was on the road. And the song is Follow Me. How many of you ever heard of the John Denver song, Follow Me? Yeah, you're old. You're all old. <laughs> you just raised your hand. You can still hear it, actually, on um, oldie radio, you know, that kind of thing. But there's a line in the song, the, the chorus says, follow me where I go, what I do, and who I know. And then he said, make it part of you to be a part of me. And there's some real intimacy in those lyrics. You know, those, are, those are very intimate lyrics. Make it part of you to be a part of me. We are starting this morning a really short little sermon series that I'm just calling Follow Me. I want to talk a little bit about following Jesus in the next few weeks. What that looks like, what that means, uh, what that costs as well. Now, the very last words that Jesus spoke on this earth before he ascended back to heaven, we, we know that we, most of us have memorized this. We call it the Great Commission, Right? Let's go ahead and read that together. Say it out loud with me. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Somehow we have taken those very clear marching orders from our commander-in-chief and we've gone into the world and we've asked people to like Jesus. We've asked people to accept Jesus. You know, Jesus isn't really that interested in people accepting him. He's interested in disciples. He's interested in disciples who make disciples. And if he is king... That commission, that commandment, it is non-negotiable. Now, this might surprise you a little bit, 
But Jesus never asked anyone to be a Christian. He did, however, invite everyone to follow him. And somewhere along the line, we've got a little bit confused on what following Jesus actually looks like. That term, Christian, it's a pretty empty word in our world today. I mean, you can say anything, you can do anything, you can be anything, and still call yourself a Christian. Somehow the word Christian has gone from someone who was exhibiting total abandonment to someone who now suggests kind of a casual association. Simply put, in in America today, you can be a, a Christian, at least call yourself a Christian, and not really follow Jesus. Like the little boy who was given two quarters to take to church on Sunday morning, his mom gave him the money and said, now one of those quarters is for the collection plate and the other's for you. Walking down the sidewalk, he, he dropped one of the quarters and watched it roll off the sidewalk down into the gutter. And as he watched it disappear, he said, sorry, Jesus, there goes your quarter. <laughs> now, I'll be a Christian just as long as it doesn't cost me anything. Now, I'm not suggesting that the word Christian is a bad word. It's not a bad word at all. I'm just saying it's become kind of an empty word in our culture. And that's why surveys consistently show that the majority of Americans claim to like Jesus. And the same surveys show that the majority of Americans also claim to not like Christians because they don't see Christ in Christians. Now, that term Christian today in our society, it refers to somebody who likes Jesus. Not so much someone who wants to be like Jesus. And you're probably familiar with the fact that the word, the term Christian, it's only used three times in the New Testament. As far as we know, Jesus never spoke the word. He never invited anyone to be a Christian. But again, he invites everyone to be a follower of his. Jesus, as far as we know, never used that word Christian, but there was a word that Jesus used a lot. Jesus would use the word disciple over 250 times. He loved the word disciple. A disciple is someone who is a follower, someone who is a learner, an intern, if you will. But even in our world, that term, we've kind of messed it up as well. If I tell you that I follow someone, what comes to mind first? Social media, probably, right? How many followers do you have? How many people do you follow? Do you know that Barack Obama has over 132 million followers on Twitter? 132 million people follow Barack Obama. Now, don't get too impressed by that. Justin Bieber has over 115 million followers, so, you know, there's that. But all of the people who follow Barack Obama, how many of them do you think know him? Have ever met the man? Have ever sat down and had a conversation with him? Any kind of relationship at all? It would be a very small number. And, of course, there's, there's no thought that there's some kind of... Um, Uh, responsibility placed on the people who are following him on social media. Nor is there any kind of problem or repercussion if they unfollow him. It doesn't matter, right? 
So we've kind of messed that word up too. But I'm going to stick with that word. I'm going to stick with follow because it's the word that Jesus uses. So what did Jesus mean when he said, I want you to follow me? And maybe another way to ask that same question is, what do the people think that he meant when they were asked to follow Jesus? When Jesus came and told someone, I want you to follow me, what did they think Jesus meant? Did they hear, I want you to like me? Did they hear, I want you to give me, you know, a part of your life? No, what they heard Jesus say was, I want to be your life. I want you to put me first in everything. Make it part of you to be a part of me. You got to make a decision to, to sacrifice daily. Jesus says in Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. When those people heard Jesus invite them to follow him, they didn't assume that he was calling them to, just to like him. He was calling them to be like him. He's calling for sacrifice, for total life change. We've done a pretty good job of dumbing that all down. We've done a pretty good job of watering down Jesus' invitation to follow him. What that means. This morning, I want to remind you of a parable that Jesus told. He told a parable about a farmer. A farmer who goes out and sows seeds and kind of scatters seeds everywhere. And some of that seed fell on the hard, packed dirt, and it never did penetrate that soil. It had no chance of growing. Some of the seed fell on shallow ground. There was a little bit of soil there, but there was rock underneath that, and, and it grew for a little bit, but then Jesus, in his own words, said that when it got hot, when the heat was on, it never had a chance to mature. There was no depth of root, and it withered and died. And then some of that seed also fell on thorny ground, weedy ground. There's already thorns, there's already weeds there. And it grows for a little bit, but it gets choked out in Jesus' words. It gets choked out by everything that's around it as well, and it doesn't grow. But some of that seed falls on good soil, and it produces a crop. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. So the question that Jesus is inferring, the question that I'm asking is, What kind of soil is Jesus looking for? Or maybe the better question is, what kind of soil am I? Well, there's the kind of soil, there's the kind of follower who says, I'm not going there. That follower is marked by a heart that's hard. That I'm not going to allow God's word, I'm not going to allow the words of Jesus to penetrate my heart on some issues. I'm just, I'm not going there. I'm a big fan of the baby in the manger and not such a big fan of the king on the throne. And I've talked to people, I'm sure you have as well, who have told me flat out, I'm not going there. On all kinds of different subjects. No, there's a a disagreement. There's an argument. There's a fight with a family member, somebody you worship with, a a co-worker. I know that I should forgive that person. I know that I'm supposed to offer that person grace, but I'm not going there. Really. And I've got to wonder, what else has Jesus told you to do that you're just going to refuse to do? 
Where else are you just going to tell God, no, I'm not going to do that. Now you talk about relationships, politics, how we treat each other, how we treat our friends, how we treat our enemies, the things that we say, the things that we post, how we spend our time, how we spend our money. Somehow we've decided, you know, Jesus doesn't get to speak into that part of my life. And don't you judge me because I'm a Christian. But you just like Jesus. You don't want to be like Jesus. And then there's those when it comes to doing what Jesus has told us to do that respond by saying, well, I'm not going deep. Kind of following that's marked by a shallowness. Christianity is kind of built on bumper stickers and Instagram posts. But when the heat's on, when trials come, life gets hard, it's pretty clear that that followers, their faith is pretty shallow. You know, Jesus knew it was a lot easier to start following than it was to stay following. Following requires a depth, requires maturity. That's why those spiritual disciplines that we talk about so often are so important. Spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in community. That 242 stuff that we've been talking about, that's really important things. That's important stuff to be able to to spend time that way. You know the old joke, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. How do you become a follower of Jesus? You have to work at it. You have to put in some effort. You have to put in the time. But time is one thing that we don't have very much of, do we? How many people here aren't very busy during the week? We're all pretty busy during the week. And yet, I look this up. The average American, average American, that includes me, spend about two and a half hours a day on social media. If you're younger, (laughs) that goes way up. But then you ask somebody, you know, could you spend 15 minutes of your day praying? Could you spend 20 minutes of your day in the Word? And the the response you'll get is, "Mm, that's going to be tough because I don't have any time. Listen, I am not implying that the end game is prayer and study and community. That's the end to the goal, okay? The goal is Jesus. The goal is to look like, to sound like, to act like, to love like, to serve like Jesus. The goal is falling more deeply in love with Jesus. But that doesn't happen unless we spend some time in the Word, unless we spend some time in prayer, unless we spend some time in community, unless we spend some time doing life together, all those 242 things that we're focusing on. If that's not in your life, you probably have a fairly shallow faith. And then there's the kind of follower that says, well, I'm not going far. The kind of Christian that gets kind of choked out by the world. And we talk quite a bit about this in the book of Judges. That you look around and there's really no discernible difference between the way I'm living my life, calling myself a Christian, as the way my neighbor lives his life and he doesn't think anything about God. You know, Jesus in his parable says specifically that worries 
and riches and pleasures are going to choke out the life that God wants you to have. You know what Jesus talked about more than anything else? The one thing that Jesus talked about more than anything else, it won't surprise you, by the way, he talked about the kingdom more than anything else. He spent a lot of time talking about the kingdom. The second most talked about thing by Jesus might surprise you. Money. Jesus talked a lot about money. And I think it's because Jesus understood that our attitudes about money have such an effect on how we follow. Listen, I'm going to say something, and I'm going to say it as gracefully as I can. I want you to listen as graciously as you can, but I want you to hear what I'm about to say. And I want to say it as bluntly as I can. If your relationship with Jesus has not radically affected the way you view money and the way you spend money, you're not following Jesus. Are are, are you with me on that? Are, Are you tracking with me on that? If your relationship with Jesus has not radically affected the way you view money and the way you spend money, you're not really following Jesus. You just like him, but you don't want to be like him. Think about it. Jesus knew how to draw a crowd. He could draw a crowd. Feed them, heal them. Get people to come. Health and wealth. He could draw a crowd. But then, once he gets a crowd, he starts talking about sacrifice and surrender and crosses and death. And people start leaving because they don't want to hear that. Luke chapter 9. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. First, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Wow. Somebody give Jesus a copy of the book, you know, How to Close the Sale. How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, it's pretty harsh stuff that Jesus is saying here. But Jesus is never interested in just drawing these huge Christian crowds people that he knows is going to crowd him out of their lives. We like to talk about commitment when it comes to following Jesus. But Jesus talks more about surrender than he does commitment. See, I can commit to something and I'm still in control. I can commit to a diet. I can commit to a relationship. But I'm still kind of in control of those things. When I surrender, I'm no longer in control. I give it up. Jesus is asking for a life that is surrendered to him. We're giving up control. We're handing over the steering wheel. By the way, Jesus really cares about your response. His invitation to follow him 
He cares about how you're going to respond to that. John chapter 6, right after Jesus talks about those hard things, right after those crowds start leaving him, he's going to ask a question to his 12 closest followers, his 12 apostles. And it's a question that we're familiar with. You know this passage. But when I read the question, I want you to listen for the humanity in Jesus' words. I want you to listen for the emotion in his question. I want you to listen for the tension that Jesus shares as, as he's asking this question. John chapter 6, verse, verse 67. Crowds are, are leaving. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. All these people are walking away. And Jesus is watching them walk away. And so are the twelve apostles. And he turns and looks at them and said, You don't want to leave too, do you? Do, do, do you feel the humanity in that? When Jesus asks you that question, do you feel the tension there? You don't want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter says, who else are we going to follow? It's you, Jesus. Peter doesn't say, I'm not going there. And Peter doesn't say, I'm not going deep. And Peter doesn't say, I'm not going far. What Peter says is, Lord, I'm not going away. I'm following you. Where else would I go? Who else would I follow? I'm not going away. You know, the idea of discipleship, it, it is completely biblical. It is so biblical. But in the last five or ten years, it's gotten to be a real buzzword in Christendom. Everybody's writing about discipleship. Everybody's blogging about discipleship. But producing people who will say what Peter said and then do what Peter does, I think that's the kind of disciples that Jesus is looking for. I think that's who Jesus is looking for when he says, go and make disciples. That's what Jesus is looking for. That's the kind of followers that he wants. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you something that you already know. It's going to be messy. When you follow Jesus, it's going to get messy. This is going to get messy. Because when you get down in the nitty-gritty of life, when you get down into day-to-day struggles, it's messy. Because life is messy. So don't meet me in the back. Don't tell to your spouse on the way home, you know, nothing but a bunch of hypocrites in that place. They got a bunch of marriages that are worse than ours. Their kids are a mess. The preacher, he's got his own problems. We all know it. Okay? We get it. We're a mess. Because life is messy. Life is hard. I heard someone say once that perfection isn't the goal. Direction is the goal. I thought, okay, that's pretty good. You know, who am I following? Where am I headed? What direction am I moving? In fact, I I like that statement better than the bumper sticker that you always see. I'm not perfect, just forgiven. You seen that bumper sticker? I'm not perfect, just forgiven. Which is great. But I think it's so inadequate. I think it's also a little bit misleading. Now, we are forgiven, absolutely. It's a great blessing of the gospel. But the gospel is so much bigger than that. 
I'm not just forgiven as a follower of Jesus. I'm being transformed as a follower of Jesus. If I'm good soil, there's life in me. I'm becoming something. I'm becoming someone that I wasn't before. I'm being changed. I'm being made into something new. Now, Jesus didn't say, follow the crowd. He didn't even say, follow the rules. He said, follow me. Peter got it. Where else are we going to go? Who else are we going to follow? You have the words that lead to eternal life. It's you, Jesus. There's life in you. We're not going anywhere else. So following Jesus means that, that we're offering our lives to Jesus, but don't miss the real blessing that we never talk about for some reason. Following Jesus means that he's offering his life to us. We get to do life with Jesus. Make it part of you to be a part of him. What a blessing. That's amazing to me. You know, we all believe that that Jesus knows a lot about life after death, right? Who would know more about life after death than Jesus? We agree on that. What we struggle with, what we kind of wrestle with sometimes is, does he know about life before death? Can I trust Jesus to know what's best for me? Should I really buy into the life that he is offering? Is that what's best for me? Can I trust him to know about life before I die? Now, before I sit down this morning, let me share with you two challenges. And my first challenge is for everyone who uh, maybe call yourselves a Christian but don't really follow Jesus... My challenge is, stop it. <laughs> just, just stop it. And for too long, we've said that the point of the gospel is to be able to answer the question, if you were to die tonight, would you know you'd go to heaven? Could you answer that question? How would you answer that question? If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? Which is a good question. I hope you can answer that question. But again, I, I think sometimes maybe the real question is, what if you don't die tonight? If you don't die tonight, do you know who you'll be tomorrow morning? Do you know where you'll be tomorrow morning? Are you able to answer that by saying, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus tomorrow. I'm not going away. I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. Second challenge. To anyone who is here, is listening, is watching, anyone who is seeking Don't miss Jesus because of Christians. Seek Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Chase Jesus. Read about Jesus. Meditate on Jesus. Love Jesus. Because I'm convinced when you do, when that is your surrender, when that is your surrendered life, at some point, you're going to get to a point where you're going to say, I want to be baptized. Because I want to follow Jesus which is part of the great commission that we all spoke together, right? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded. Follow me. It was more than just an invitation. It's really a commandment. Follow me where I go, what I do, who I know, 
make it part of you, to be a part of me. Hope you're back next week. We're going to talk a little bit more about following Jesus and what that means and what that looks like in real life. This morning as we wrap up, we're going to offer an invitation song. If there's something going on in your life that you just need the prayers of people who love you, we would like to help with that. Anything we can do to help us all be better followers of Jesus. And you can meet us at the front of the auditorium here. Let's go ahead and be standing while we sing.